This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 158 with Greg James. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hi there, MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to be looking at an extremely fast-growing business and industry, the marijuana business and industry, and we're going to be looking at opportunities to create income streams and cash flow from marijuana businesses. My guest in this episode is Greg James from Marijuana Venture. In March of 2014, Greg launched a peer business magazine for the emerging legal marijuana industry. Marijuana Venture is the nation's only true monthly B2B for licensed legal cannabis businesses. Growth has been rapid and the magazine is now distributed nationally and is a 160-page glossy publication featuring articles on subjects as diverse as legal issues, tax laws, and new growing and retailing techniques. In December of 2015, Marijuana Venture was presented with an MIN award in New York as the hottest release of 2015. A MIN award is the magazine industry's highest honor of achievement. Forbes magazine did a great article of how Marijuana Venture is covering the legal marijuana business space. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron by visiting CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. Have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at CashflowNinja.com forward slash private lending. Spartan Invest have a proven plan and system helping investors creating passive income and wealth through turnkey real estate ownership in the exciting market of Birmingham, Alabama. Find out why Birmingham has got it going on, why it's a steal right now, why it's a millennial hangout, a hidden gem, and one of the most exciting investment opportunities you have never heard of. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Spartan. I've spoken about the most powerful system on the planet, on the show, the banking system. And my firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, helps people reclaim the banking function within their own lives through leveraging the premium tools and strategies of the wealthy. If you're interested in reclaiming the banking function within your own life and the infinite banking concept, you can access a free webinar presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, MC. Uh, happy to be here. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Uh, sure. I uh, Well, um, going way back, I was in the nightclub business back in the 1980s. And uh, that, that I did for a couple of years while I was in university. And then I ended up uh, from that uh, getting into the video business and shooting videos. 
And uh, make a long story short, I then started distributing videos and I started publishing videos and I started publishing software. And uh, by uh, 2004, um, Topics Entertainment, which was my other company, was actually the largest privately owned uh, consumer software company in, in, uh, in the world. And we did, uh, we published everyone from Playboy to National Geographic, um, Scholastic, Kaplan, World Book. And uh, it was a, you know, a great, very successful company, it had about 70 employees at its peak. And um, we sold to uh, Costco, Best Buy, Amazon, uh, Walmart, Target, all the big retailers. Uh, but as you know, the whole CD-ROM business has kind of gone away with the Internet. And so um, uh, revenues have declined. And I think now, you know, that the topics business is probably you know, doing under 10 million a year in sales. We still have a few CD-ROM and DVD products that, that we sell, but not a lot. So, um, so anyway, about four years ago, um, I, I happen to own a fairly big ranch in Eastern Washington that I bought with, you know, profits, I guess, from that other company about four years ago, uh, I had a, uh, it was kind of funny when they legalized marijuana in Washington, I uh, started getting a bunch of phone calls from people who uh, wanted to lease land from me. And um, basically, they all wanted to grow marijuana. Well, I didn't want to do that and uh, really didn't want that business on my property over there. But it got me thinking um, that, you know, this was going to be a big, fast-growing new industry. And so after, um, I guess, you know, a couple months of kind of looking at what I thought was going to happen. Um, one of the things I, I, I think I figured out was that there probably needed to be a good business magazine uh, for the marijuana industry because all the publications out there were basically lifestyle and, you know, culture type uh, publications like High Times and Weed World and Skunk, but there was no one really doing a good business magazine. So basically launched it um, three years ago, um, put, put, my own money into a bank account and hired an editor. And the first one we did was uh, an eight page folded newsletter. And three years later, we're 200 glossy pages and distributed nationally. I don't have any idea what's going on in this industry. And there might be a lot of my listeners that don't either. Can you give us an overview of just the industry, uh, some of the laws, uh, what states it's legal in, uh, you know, just a, a rough number? Uh, and uh, yeah, w what is going on? What are some of the latest developments and trends within this industry? Yeah, I'm happy to. It's, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's actually a pretty crazy industry. I would say it's moving at breakneck speed. You know, so w the first thing that really happened was in 2012, Colorado and Washington State both legalized recreational marijuana for adults with, with a, you know, a vote in that election. It took about a year for the two states to kind of get their act together and to write down uh, all the laws and how they would work. But they both started selling uh, legal recreational adult use marijuana in retail stores in early 2014. And Colorado kind of got stores open first. Washington followed a few months later because our rules are a little different up here. But um, they've both been doing it now for about, I guess, three years. And uh, so, so after that, then then Oregon and Alaska legalized marijuana in the 2014 elections, and then last year in the November elections, of course, California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada also legalized recreational marijuana. So there are now eight states in the U.S. with basically uh, legal recreational marijuana, although. Colorado, or although, I'm sorry, California and Maine and Massachusetts haven't actually started yet because they just voted on it. But uh, there are now, like I said, eight states that have voted to legalize adult use recreational marijuana in the U.S. And then there's also another, um, I think it is 21 states that have legalized medical marijuana. So right now there's a ton of money flowing into these industries. Um, People call it a green rush, 
And it's certainly kind of like that, you know, in Washington and Colorado, uh, now that the states have been going for a few years, they're, they're both states are selling about $1 billion of legal marijuana a year in retail stores. And the states themselves are taking in several hundred million dollars a year each in taxes. So, so far, it's been very successful. Yeah, and that was one thing that I just from just quickly researching this too is the tax revenues has increased significantly from from this business. Um, and also, when you look at statistics and so forth, I mean, not to take this conversation in that direction, but um, it, none of this worst case scenario that a lot of uh, opposition to these uh, these this legalization of recreational use actually uh, happened. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, you know, and let me say this, you know, so I started this magazine, Marijuana Venture, as a business magazine for that community. But I'm not actually even a, a user myself. Right. I've always believed that it should be legal, but, you know, pot's not my thing. I prefer, uh, you know, like wine or a, or a good single malt scotch. But right. anyway, um, yeah, the, so, so there were predictions that, um, you know, teenage use would go up, there'd be more traffic fatalities, you know, every dire prediction you can think of. And it, it's, and it actually has not happened. Um, the uh, teen drug rates have not gone up. There haven't been more accidents. And uh, if anything, you know, it's been the opposite of what people predicted. It's gone very smoothly. And Washington State, I don't know as much about Colorado, you know, because we're here in Seattle, but um, uh, they had in the newspaper just a few weeks ago that Washington State is anticipating taking in $400 million in taxes for the fiscal year 2017. So, you know, when you think about the fact that, you know, you're taking in $400 million in taxes, but you also don't have to pay for people going to jail for pot possession, and you don't have to spend as much money on policing, and the police can go after real crimes like rape and murder and robbery and stuff like that. I look at it as a gigantic benefit. You know, to me, it's it's always been a head-scratcher. Like, why does anybody care that marijuana is illegal? You know, why? What's what's the big deal about it? I mean, if someone can you know, drink a, a shot of whiskey, why shouldn't you be able to, you know, have a toke a pot, I guess? I have the same view as you. What someone else is doing and what their choice is, it has absolutely nothing to do with me. You know, <laughs> I'm just like you. I prefer I prefer a nice glass of, of wine. I love my Sauvignon Blancs and love love my Pinot, my South African Pinotages. That's kind of more my style. But what everybody else is doing and what they enjoy, that is absolutely nothing to do with me as long as they uh, obey by the non-aggression principle. They don't aggress against anyone else um, and their private property. And uh, prohibition, you know, when you do this illegal, uh, it attracts a certain type of entrepreneur. And there's really no legal means to settle disputes <laughs> like there was right. in prohibition. So it kind, of, uh, it kind of takes the whole industry in a whole direction. So with this being legal, um, you pointed out in eight states for the, the recreational use and 21 for the medical, there are exciting entrepreneurs coming into this space and creating quite an industry. And as you, you, you threw out the numbers earlier, it's quite remarkable how this industry has grown. Now, what ex opportunities exist for entrepreneurs in this space? You guys have covered a range of businesses. What have you seen that has, uh, that has been successful or some of the niches and strategies that guys are using? And what are some of the, the strategies that they've used and uh, entered this market that wasn't as successful? Huh, yeah, that's funny. That's a good question. Well, f the first thing I would say is that um, – I learned from experience that, you know, I would urge everybody to go out and when the application process happens in whatever state you're in, or if you have an opportunity, put in an application. I personally know several people who, you know, they, so they had a, they had a window in Washington. It was a 45 day window. I believe it was from uh, November, the middle of November, 2013 to I think January 1st. Um, I'm trying, I can't remember, or, or maybe it was the year before, but anyway, the point was you had a 45 day window that the state allowed you to submit an application for either a grower, processor, or retail license. 
it cost 250 bucks to put the application in. Then they closed it. Six months later, a whole bunch of people realized that they should have put in applications and people were selling, and I'm not kidding here, people were selling just their application, their place in line for over $100,000. I know several people who did that. Um, and they had really no intention of ever actually opening up a retail store or a grow. They just happened to get in line and get their application in. And then uh, people were coming along trying to, that wanted to get in the industry and paying big money for these you know, LLCs that people started um, just to put in an application. So that was one thing that was kind of interesting. I think the, uh, to me, the bigger opportunity, I think, to make money, and it depends on, you know, each state has different regulations. In Washington state, they um, capped the number of stores initially at about 350, but there was no cap on growers. We now have, and they, and so they've recently allowed more retail stores. Um, but right now we have in Washington about 1,000 licensed growers and processors and only about 400 retail stores. So what that's kind of meant is that there's an oversupply of legal marijuana in Washington. And I guess at the bottom line thing I would say is that the growers aren't making the kind of money that the retailers are making. Retailers, a lot of them are doing quite well and making good profits, whereas the growers, I think, are in a much more competitive environment, and the prices have come come down pretty dramatically. Like you can actually, you could actually buy a pound of fairly good bud in Washington State right now for about six hundred dollars, and when it was illegal, it was about twenty four hundred dollars. So. Um, like most ag businesses, right? The 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 people who are making money growing are the ones who are really, really focused on being super efficient and quickly sort of migrating from the way it was grown illegally to thinking like a farmer and trying to do it really efficiently. And it's and, and it's been tough for some people because you know they they had learned how to grow weed in their garage uh, from you know stoner magazines. And all of a sudden, they're being forced to, you know, run a farm-like operation or a big greenhouse, and and a lot of that uh, was kind of alien to them. But but they're catching on pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Right, absolutely. And it's a completely different ball game in any business than starting it, like you were saying, very very small, uh, to then scaling it. Completely different skill set as a business owner. Uh, the yeah. other the other question that I had for you too is, you know, when you when you study and look back at history and you look at rushes, right? And you you mentioned this green kind of rush that's going on in this industry. Well, you look at the gold rush in California and just where a lot of entrepreneurs came in. It wasn't necessarily the mining itself of the gold, but like Levi and Strauss came and sold the clothes. You know, there were saloons, there were restaurants. Uh, and taverns, the equipment uh, uh, entrepreneurs that sold equipment to the miners and, and took care of all the other needs. So there's a ton of sub ones. So, you know, initially when I looked at this too and said, wow, there's there's a lot of opportunity here. But as you pointed out, it might not necessarily be the grower or the distributors, but then other industries that come into play that supply like knickknacks or uh, you know, other types of, of products within the space that could potentially be successful as well. What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, by the way, another guy who made tons of money on the gold rush was, you know, William Randolph Hearst, right? I mean, that's how right. he started his fortune. <laughs> yes. But um, no, you're right. It, it uh, you know, we call it a pick and shovel business, right? Instead of actually mining, you're selling them picks and shovels. Right. Uh, same exact thing in the legal marijuana business. And there are, I mean, you know, I could go on for probably 20 minutes, but you've got the soil companies. There are light companies, you know, for, for the grow lights, there are the greenhouse manufacturing companies, HVAC systems for greenhouses and indoor grows, fencing companies, you know, lots and lots of law firms are now doing marijuana business law. Um, you know, the list is kind of endless security camera companies, um, 
gosh, I, I guess I should just look through the magazine. <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's really quite amazing um, when you really think about it. I mean, the companies that are supplying things like uh, uh, glass display cases and shelving for the retail stores, you've got um, companies that are doing nutrients and um, fertilizers and, you know, soil amendments. There's companies that do water purification systems, uh, extraction companies that that make the machinery that um, they use to extract hash oil out of uh, marijuana flowers. Oh, you've got uh, d- different brands like Willie's and um, the Marley brand, which are basically you know mar- legal marijuana that's become branded. Uh, there are trimming machines. Uh, gosh, the list goes on and on and on. And, and I'm just, you know, sort of have, have to glance through the magazine here. <laughs> right. You know, packaging companies are making, uh, you know, opening up all these new um, accounts with the growers, right, who all need packaging. You've got baggy companies. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, yeah, it, it's it's huge. And there are a lot of pick and shovel businesses. I think, for example, when California gets all their rules together, you know, you've got 40 million people down there and it's the fifth largest economy in the entire planet just by itself. And you've got these ideal grow conditions. So to me, it, I start thinking about, you know, the Imperial Valley and uh, the Central Valley where Fresno is, um, Salinas Valley. These are some of the m- world's most productive um, fruit and fruit and vegetable production areas already. I mean, that's just going to go crazy down there. And then you've got 20 million people in the Los Angeles area and probably a pretty high percentage, you know, who are, who are pot users. After all, this is California, right? Right. <laughs> what I like about your business as well is your business is in the space. I mean, you're reporting and writing on what is happening in this space, uh, the trends, the, the opportunities, the, mar- uh, the, the market itself, uh, businesses that uh, are launching in this space. And I was looking at uh, your website and what you guys are doing, and uh, I just want to congratulate too, because this is a perfect example of you're in this space operating with your business and you are not physically, you don't have to grow anything or distribute it or uh, sell it through retail. You're purely reporting on what's going on and the exciting things in this space. So uh, if you're a listener out there and you have a specific skill set, um, Greg, you mentioned lawyers, for instance, right? I mean, Clearly, there's going to be a need for that. Uh, uh, there's endless opportunities uh, of sub-industries that will be needed to provide value and serve people in this market. So the, the range is endless, and this is uh, an emerging space. So it's a relatively early stages of still getting into it. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, a couple more uh, things are like transportation companies. There, there are companies up here now that specialize in just delivering uh, the marijuana for the growers and the retailers, because of course it's not legal to federally to send it through the mail. Um, you know, so that's another one. Um, it, it's all over the place. The, the, uh, I was just reading the other day, we were contacted by the national cannabis bar association and that's a, uh, fairly new association. It's nationwide and they already have over 200 law firms, Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, there's, there's been an explosion of law firms that are suddenly starting up marijuana, uh, business practices. And, um, because, you know, I, I mean, that's one of the things I would advise all your listeners, be careful getting into this and hire a good lawyer. You, you, uh, you know, lawyers, everyone loves to hate them until they need them. But, um, we know, I know several people who made the mistake of, you know, signing sort of handshake deals with people, um, leases and stuff like that without reading the fine print and then got burned. So I definitely suggest that you get a good business attorney, at least to consult with them because the good marijuana business lawyers they know the state's rules and regulations, and every state is different. So you definitely have to be careful. Um, but, you know, 
yeah, a good lawyer is definitely going to be invaluable. Who are some of the most upcoming and most exciting companies in the space that you guys have reported on? And can you share a little bit what ma- what makes them unique and um, what makes them kind of the, the the emerging rock stars in this industry? You know, one of the things that has emerged that I think is a really good model in this space is actually to be a landlord rather than an actual business owner. And what I mean by that is uh, several several people I know in this state, instead of actually getting their grow licenses, what they did was they went out and bought, you know, like a 40-acre parcel of land in a uh, rural farming type area. And then they divided it up and they started leasing that land to the growers. And they're getting a much higher rent than a regular, you know, piece of ag land that size would get. Because they're, you know, they're sort of putting up the fence, they're providing the security, they've got a little bit of management going on. And the growers themselves, a lot of them, you know, they don't actually live in those farming communities. You know, they maybe live in Seattle, but they want to own a grow in eastern Washington where, where the, you know, the ag land is. So they, uh, so what they're doing is, is, yeah, they're leasing plots from these landowners over there. Well, it turns out that that is a really good model because the landowner, um, you know, he sort of sets everything up and then it's more of a, you know, it's sort of hands off for the, for the actual grower. So that's one interesting thing. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day in California and I told him the same thing, you know, he's got a farm and he's down in the uh, central Valley area and he's thinking about growing, but he's also thinking about leasing land. And I told him, I said, you know, I think the growing thing is cool. But if you have, you know, I think this guy had like a couple hundred acres. I said, you know, if you've got a couple hundred acres and you've got good water, really what I would be thinking about would be creating a grow complex or, you know, a grow park down there. Divide up your land, you know, um, and lease it out in maybe one or two or three or even five acre plots to the growers. And at that point, you're really just, a, you know, you're like a landlord. and You're taking in tons of money. Yeah. Other ideas. Uh, there are companies that are specializing in just processing right now. So they're um, they're buying the trim and the excess pot from growers and then turning it into hash oil, and that's all they really do. They're just uh, a processing company. Um, that's kind of another interesting deal because then they don't have to grow it. And, uh, you know, most of the farmers end up with excess marijuana every year. You know, they sell the good buds, but they have a hard time getting rid of the trim. So the processor picks up the trim, takes it to his facility, and refines it into hash oil, and then that becomes another good sellable product. Uh, there's, you know, there's a ton of different things like that. W- what we are seeing is that the smart people are kind of figuring out a niche rather than trying to do everything. And to me, that's, you know, that's a, a good development. As I, you know, one of the things I always tell people is there's a reason McDonald's doesn't make pizza or at least doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't make good pizza. You know, they let Pizza Hut make pizza and Pizza Hut doesn't make burgers because with almost every business, you know, it sort of makes sense to specialize in something rather than trying to do everything. You know, it's funny that you just mentioned that. I just watched, finished watching the founder, uh, the McDonald's movie on Ray Kroc with uh, Michael Keaton is in it. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's it, when you were explaining about the, the, the landlord thing, too, I was immediately thinking about that because and your second point, too, about that niche and focusing, because I think the McDonald's brothers worked out that 87% of their sales when they opened their stand came from hamburgers, fries, and soft drinks and milkshakes. And that right. was it. And again, you know, that using that Pareto's law, focusing on, on the products that is driving your business, that's why they do hamburgers, fries, and milkshakes, and soft drinks, right? And then the other thing that came to mind when you said, the landlords are very successful in this space and entrepreneurs and they're not growing it, but, and they don't have the licenses and dealing with that, but they actually are, they own the real estate that this is on. Um, another moment in the movie is when uh, one of Ray Kroc's advisors told him actually, you know, I don't think you realize what business you're in. You're not in the hamburger business. You're in the real estate business. 
Um, So two very, very big lessons from that movie that I took away, and you touched on both of that in this space. So regardless of what space you're in, uh, the the principles and the – the, the the basics of the business itself that stays the same so very very interesting you're listening to greg james on the cashflow ninja podcast we will be right back after a word from our sponsor are you having a hard time finding great investment properties unfortunately the best deals are rarely found locally successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets norada real estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the united states our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com that's n-o-r-a-d-a realestate.com you're listening to greg james on the cashflow ninja podcast and now back to our interview opportunities to invest in is another thing, right? Um, People talk about, well, how can I get in on this? This is clearly a trend that's not going away. Um, Although there are battling at it at at some levels in in Washington, D.C. and certain state legislators, but it's it's accelerating from what we're seeing out there in the numbers uh, with the success that some of these states are having. If you're an investor looking in at, at this and you don't necessarily want to, to start your own business in the space, but you want to invest in, a biz, in the business, what are some of the things that you would advise some of my listeners just to take a look at uh, when they are investing in businesses in this space? Well, you know, there's some great uh, small public companies now, especially in Canada, because that's another thing that we haven't really even talked about, but everybody's anticipating that Canada in 2018 is are going to fully legalize recreational marijuana over the entire country. I mean, their uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has stated that. So, I, and I think the uh, population up there are pretty much, you know, they've polled them and they're they're all for it. So, yeah, there are some really good companies. I think most of them are listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Um, I would look at things like medical, you know, the research into medical marijuana is also accelerating. I've, I've been sort of a skeptic about a lot of the claims. I think this, you know, when people sometimes say to me, well, you know, marijuana is going to cure cancer. I don't think I really believe that, but there's really, really compelling evidence about, you know, the, the the effects marijuana can have on people who have seizures, for example, and anxiety and um, appetite, you know, it, it boosts your appetite. So, you know, some of those things are, I mean, I would say they're, they're pretty much proven. I mean, they, they are not just uh, pie in the sky. There, there really are things that marijuana does work well, uh, you know, certain ailments that it works for. So I think there's, um, I think there's good opportunities with some of the medical companies that are doing the medical research for sure. And, you know, as far as the branding, there's also these um, consumer brands now, like there's, there's Marley, uh, the Marley family has, has licensed their brand. There's Willie's Reserve, which is, you know, Willie Nelson's deal. Uh, gosh, there's a couple others. I can't remember their names now, but I th- yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities for investors. Again, you know, y- y- you know, the rule, I mean, basically, um, you know, MC that the thing is, is that you're really investing in the people and the management rather than the company. I think that's really true in the marijuana business, you know, don't fall for some pie in the sky pitch from some guy who says he's going to get rich growing wheat. Stop, think about it, look at their background, look at their track record. Have they run companies before? Uh, have they been successful before? You know, I'm, um, I mean, not to brag, right, but I ran a, you know, sizable, fairly large consumer software company. And I had a lot of knowledge about media distribution. So when I started, you know, the magazine Marijuana Venture, I knew what I was doing and I'd already run companies. Right. Right. And it, so what I'm trying to say is I'm not, you know, by any means Bill Gates, but I had a fair amount of business experience and I felt pretty confident that I already kind of knew how, how the business worked. Whereas we've, I've met a fair number of people, you know, that kind of were the pie in the sky types and, you know, they're, 
they're getting into the industry, but they don't really have a good written business plan and they don't, you know, they're maybe they're, maybe their projections are based on, you know, thinking that marijuana is always going to sell for $2,000 a pound and they didn't really have, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't looking at what would happen if the price really came down. So there's been a few, quite a few like that, actually, that I think were, um, oh, what's the right word? They were just um, o- overly exuberant about the business. And the reality was actually that it was a little tougher, and in some cases, a lot tougher than they thought it would be. So again, I'm not trying to um, sound negative on the business so much as I'm just saying, to your to your listeners, you know, be careful and make sure you pick the right people because there's definitely some people who are, you know, kicking serious butt in this business also. Very, very good advice. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? <laughs> I, I'm actually learning about the magazine business. <laughs> it's a, you know, there's a, there's an industry you really don't want to get into is what I've learned. Cause it's kind of funny. You, you, you know, people look at magazines, I'm sure in stores and go, Oh, that's cool. Apparently nobody ever makes any money selling magazines. All the money is comes from the ads. Right. So right. Uh, that, that was a hard lesson I learned, but, um, I, no, I'm seriously learning a lot about uh, what you know. What's fascinating to me is we're really learning a lot about the pot business from a lot of the people that we interview and the stories we hear. And it, it turns out, you know, it's going all over the place. I mean, there really are a lot of different models that are working. You know, there's companies that are making, uh, you know, just edibles, and that's all they're doing is buying bulk you know, concentrates of THC and then making, you know, medicated candies and edibles and all that kind of stuff. There are marijuana cookbooks now. There, like I said, there's the landlord model where there's people, um, you know, leasing their land out to farmers. There's the refining model. There's retailers. The list goes on and on and on. And, And the one thing more than anything else that I've been learning and it gets back to what I just said a few minutes ago is the companies that are successful have really good, smart people running them who have thought the business through and they've had, they have good you know, business plans and then also a fair amount of capital to, to sort of back them up. Because like most things, you know, it costs you more than you think it's going to cost. And there's, uh, you know, there's always, always issues to deal with. But yeah, no, I'm learning a lot. I learn every single day. The publishing industry is, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn as well, and because I'm in the digital publishing space, uh, very, very fascinating um, uh, business model. So I try to learn as much as I can every single day around that space and try and stay up with the trends as well. So I can only imagine yep. the, the the magazine and physical magazine space um, is, uh, yeah, is similar. Everybody told me at first, they said, you know, that print magazines are dead and blah, 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 and everything's online. Well, I've always been one of those people that goes the opposite direction of where everybody else goes and what they say. Because way back when in the CD-ROM business, I was told, no, you don't want to do reference and education. You want to do games. Well, it turned out that reference and education was a niche we basically, you know, uh, specialized in and had a pretty easy time, you know, becoming bigger than any of our competitors in that space. I guess in a way the magazine thing was the same in that it wasn't that, you know, I don't believe, for example, that the internet and online publishing is big and getting bigger, but it was more like there were still half a dozen physical magazines out there on the marijuana subject. The thing is, none of them were really serious business magazines. So to me, it was like, well, you know, if a physical magazine is going to work, it's going to be a serious magazine on business. And yeah, it's been wildly successful, actually. It's um, our revenues have been growing every month. And we now have a second magazine called Sun Grower and Greenhouse. And uh, both magazines just got national distribution deals in Canada. 
and we're actually talking to uh, you know um, distributors in like the UK and Australia. So yeah, it's been pretty cool. Greg, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Hmm. Well, I would say honesty, integrity, and hard work. I, I, you know, those are the, I mean, those are the three basic things that I think have always guided me. And, and I think, well, obviously the first two are important, but gosh, the one thing that I learned over 20 years of publishing CD-ROM software and now this magazine is you got to get up early, you got to get into the office, you got to pick the phone up and you got to do the work. And, you know, thinking that someone else is going to do it never works. It's, uh, I guess as an entrepreneur, I've always known that basically there's almost no substitute for hard work. No, absolutely not. Now, Greg, how can my listeners learn more about you, your company and magazines, and keep informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Well, uh, we have a website. It's just uh, marijuanaventure.com. And uh, our, I like our website. It's got uh, – we you know, print all of our print articles actually show up on the website, although we delay it by a month to, so people, you know, still buy the print magazine. And uh, gosh, that's about it. You know, we have a phone number and, and um, you can pick up the magazine in, you know, major retailers like Barnes and Noble and Fred Meyer and Books a Million. Um, in Canada, it's distributed nationally. It's in all the chapters, bookstores. And then we also uh, send a free copy out every month to anyone who's actually in the industry. So retail stores, growers, processors, our circulation is about 20,000 copies a month now. And um, it's been, yeah, it's been successful. And yeah, I definitely welcome people inquiring or, or picking it up. I mean, I really do believe MC that it's very important that your, your listeners kind of understand that, you know, if you, you got to be careful, this industry is tougher than people thought it was going to be because it really does take, as you said earlier, skill sets like hiring the right people who know how to manage a commercial sized greenhouse or, you know, know how to, uh, you know, run a farm. But if you are careful and if you're, and you do your research and you, you know, you read up on it, I think there are a lot of people are going to be very successful in this industry. And by the way, they're predicting it's going to be $20 billion in legal recreational and medical marijuana sales in the next three to four years. That that is a big industry. And the (laughs) other thing, the other thing that I would also just say to our listeners, you know, and, and actually the craft beer industry is a good example of this, right? Because there's a lot of guys that started brewing their own beer and they were very good at brewing their own beer because they started it as a, as a hobby basically. And then they all wanted to start their own breweries and, you know, I'm in the craft beer business now, but they didn't have the skill set necessarily to make a business out of it. So there was a lot of ones that started and went away and the, the guys with skills, uh, business, good teams around them that keep educating themselves, knowing the industry and all of the necessarily moving parts of an actual business, those are the ones that succeeded and rose to the top and are still around. A lot of the guys that made good beer, well, they probably still make good beer, but not as a business, just in probably in their own garage. Yeah. Well, it gets back to what you said earlier about Ray Kroc, right? He probably didn't know anything about making burgers, but he knew how to run a business. And in the marijuana business, that is absolutely definitely what's going on, especially in this state, is that a lot of the growers initially hired someone who they called a master grower because he had experience growing marijuana. Well, of course, experience growing marijuana prior to it being legal basically meant he was growing in his garage or basement right under lights most of those people failed miserably or are failing because just like you said they weren't business people these master growers were sort of potheads who knew how to grow pot well what the guy really needed was somebody who had a degree in plant sciences and had run a commercial tomato hothouse or run a farm somewhere and knew about commercial farming practices. 
So that actually has changed uh, pretty rapidly in this state. You know, I knew several growers that that was exactly what they said. It was like, I hired this guy, he called himself a master grower, but he really didn't know anything about managing people or commercial agriculture. So that'd be another thing, you know, if anyone out there listening is thinking about growing uh, marijuana in, you know, uh, California or Nevada or any of the other states that legalized it, don't hire a master grower. Hire somebody who knows how to grow commercial tomatoes or plant or flowers or anything like that. They're the kind because you know grow the at the bottom line is this: growing pot is easy. I mean, it, some of the people listening to this might object to me saying that, but that's the reality. You know, yeah. cannabis is basically a weed. It grows everywhere and anywhere. It can grow indoors, outdoors, Washington, California, Florida, Afghanistan, Morocco, who cares? It's a pretty damn hardy plant. It's not like you're growing tropical orchids. And so uh, it's not about being good at growing pot. It's about being good at running a commercial agricultural business. And that's the skill set that I would say that Definitely, if someone's thinking about growing, hire someone who has a background in commercial agriculture. That's the that's the one thing I would say. And then, and you know, same thing with the retail stores. Um, I wrote about this in the magazine several months ago, and you know, there were some people who got kind of grumpy about it. But I said, you know, if I was going to run a, a a retail shop. I wouldn't hire somebody who came from medical dispensary. I'd hire someone who knew how to run and manage a 7-Eleven store. I mean, that's a person who has retail experience, knows about, you know, marketing and merchandising and vendor relations and packaging and all that kind of stuff. You know, the marijuana part you can treat you can teach someone fairly quickly. It's the business experience is what you're really looking for. So, right. anyway, those are my words of wisdom. No, and those were great. And the other thing that I would add to, if you're interested in this space, go to Marijuana Ventures and look at some of the, the, the companies that's already there and advertising, right? And what services they provide. And then take a look at them, study what they're doing, and see if there's something around that same service level that you can improve upon or do better than those guys. That one might be a good, uh, good little tip or just idea if you're interested in, in starting something in this space yeah you're you're absolutely right you know you could uh you know just looking through the magazine will probably give you a ton of ideas i'm i'm very excited i'm very bullish on the business um you know like i said california 40 million people they haven't started yet but they voted to legalize it it's probably going to be a year so it gives people time to kind of plan things out you know, think about what they, what part of the business they want to get into. You know, do you want to be a grower? Do you want to be a retailer? Do you want to be a pick and shovel business that's supplying products to them? Uh, it's, it's fascinating because, because, you know, at the end of the day, MC, as long as it's federally illegal in this country, which it is, and it probably is going to be under, under uh, Donald Trump, uh, at least for a while, it means each state you know, you can't do interstate transportation. So each state, in a sense, is its own little country when it comes to the laws regarding marijuana. And so, you know, what it means is, is that you, where you're at, you really have to focus on those state rules. Uh, because, again, you know, you can't legally take Washington marijuana into Oregon or Oregon marijuana into Washington. And so it, it's, kind of keeps the businesses a little smaller and it makes it harder to scale them up. So really when you look at California and you're looking at a state with 40 million people, well that's a an economy that's bigger than, you know, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Nevada, Alaska, Maine and Massachusetts combined in one state. And so there you there will be I am pretty sure some fairly sizable companies created in that California marketplace just because of the sheer number of people that live there. So it's going to be very interesting. Thank you so much for your time Greg. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge around this very uh, exciting and up and coming industry and providing so much value for my listeners. Hey, you got it, MC, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for interviewing me. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. 
We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guests, Greg James and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gashku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. When you become a patron for 12 months, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Creating passive income for you and your family is easier than you think. All you need are three things. The right plan, the right product, and the right turnkey provider. As an investor, you want a safe, profitable, and convenient way to invest your capital without being at the mercy of stock market fluctuation. Investing in real estate in a turnkey way that provides monthly passive income with very low risk is exactly what Spartan Invest provides for their clients. Their mission is to make investing in real estate easy for the busy professional. Spartan Invest help investors create passive income and wealth through turnkey ownership in Birmingham, Alabama. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at cashflowninja.com forward slash Spartan. The wealthiest families on the planet know how to capture their wealth and then leveraging their wealth through their own banking system. If you're interested in privatized banking and the infinite banking concept and learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.